Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Hello and welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. What are you doing? I don't know. I just thought like, you know, sometimes, like we always record during the day for the most part, but maybe somebody's listening after dark and they want like a more smooth vibe. That was your smooth vibe. Pretty hot sounding, Ben. That was my quiet storm, you know? That was your Delilah? Your, your male Delilah? <laughs> yeah. One of those backhanded compliments we get all the time. Which, I'm, you know, I think every podcaster hears this. is like, oh, I listen to your show while I'm going to sleep. Yeah, that one really cuts both ways, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, they, they don't even know what drunk Shimoda is because we've put them to sleep already by the time we get to that part of the show. <laughs> People who have never heard the credits before. Yeah. It must be such a trip. If you listen to this show to go to sleep and then you come to a live show and like you're in a big room full of strangers, but then the lights lower <laughs> and it's the thing that that is your soporific. <laughs> ben, I'm drinking a double hot toddy right now uh, because, oh, yeah. because the snow does not stop in Seattle, evidently. When was the last time uh, you were in the snow? When was the last time it snowed in L.A.? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many reasons I'm I'm preferring the warm climate of L.A. to whatever's going on in Seattle. We've got chock-a-block rain right now, actually, in, in, in L.A., like days and days with rain every day. Mm. Um, it's, actually, it's weird, like you can see downtown from on top of hills and stuff. Oh, you don't get to do that very often. Not usually the case. You're getting ready to go on a big destination wedding, though. Yeah, it's true. I had one earlier in the year, and and uh, and you're escaping the snow to see somebody get married in a tropical environment. My wife did a great thing, which is like get on the phone with an airline and a hotel to rebook our travel to try to like outsmart the storm that's coming. Wow! And I just read that the storm might have <laughs> might have outsmarted us because they moved <laughs> the storm timing. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> The storm is like... Winter uh, storm's uh, uh. got the upper hand now. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the forecast? What's in the forecast? Oh, God! Yeah, you know, something that... I, You know, I've always been an apartment dweller. I've always been a renter. You were saying that, like, you have to, like, consider the idea of what happens to your house when you leave it in a, in a major weather situation. Yeah, we're... And, uh, we've already gotten about... 10 inches of snow and we're supposed to get another maybe foot of snow on top of that and that's fairly unprecedented for Seattle and it's certainly unprecedented personally because I've never been a homeowner during a storm like this so yeah a lot of the things that I feel like one should do are are lost on me news like this is enough to make you like not even want to comply with the uh, warp 5 restriction you know (laughs) I, I shoveled a sidewalk this morning. That's one of the things that you need to do when it snows. That's like a yeah. good homeowner thing. That's a good workout. So if I wake up tomorrow uh, bent into a claw shape, <laughs> then uh, yeah, that's the reason why. Well, hey, Adam, we don't have like any structure to this, Marin, so I wanted to recommend uh, this comic by our buddy J.K. Woodward, because we mentioned this on The Greatest Discovery, but not on The Greatest Generation yet. We are actually in a Star Trek The Next Generation comic book uh, that came out, I guess, as of the release of this episode a couple of weeks ago. It's the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation IDW 2020 issue, and uh, and... Our uh, our friend J.K. Woodward, who is a friend of DeSoto uh, and has been a guest on The Greatest Discovery, like drew us into Star Trek canon as like guards of of Picards, and we we get redshirted on an away mission. There's there's frames of us getting getting shot in the back by nasty looking aliens. I guess we 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 live and work on the Stargazer. It's great. It is so amazing to see us in this thing. 
Yeah. And and you're right, Ben. Like the idea of being actual canon, no one can take that away from us. Yeah. Now, uh, I went down to my no- my local comic book store to buy a, a copy of this, not knowing that JK had already mailed us each uh, several issues of it. Um, and they had, so they, I actually like put in a special order cause they'd sold out, but, uh, we, I've been hearing on Twitter, a lot of people have been going into their local comic book shop and finding that it's been sold out everywhere. So, uh, I don't know if that's, I don't know if we can take any credit for that, but it's hey, pretty. Which one's my camera? Um, this one over here. Oh, okay. I'm just going to address the pocket right now. The Star yeah. Trek industrial complex. <laughs> Do you think uh, that they have like an intern that's just. One of their jobs is to keep an eye on us. I'm going to say this. Adam and Ben, good for business. <laughs> I think we can be sure of that at this point. Uh, one thing's for sure, though, outside of that comment, is that J.K. Woodward is especially good to us. So yeah, uh, maximum thanks to him for writing us into this thing. Uh, it's, I mean, he's mentioned that this won't be the last time, so maybe we will show up and then get gunned down again and again in the years ahead, which would be awesome. I also just want to recommend getting into the comics that he does for Star Trek, because his art style is, like, fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's really unique, I think. It's very much its own style, and I really love looking at this. They're, like, beautiful, full-color comic books, and... uh, it is one of the coolest things that's happened as a part of this project is getting to see us getting <laughs> getting shot in a frame right next to Captain Picard. Nice stuff. Yeah. yeah, so pick it up. Star Trek The Next Generation. It's IDW 2020, and it's out right now. Go yeah. get it. Support your local comic book store. All right, Adam. You want to uh, get into the episode we came here to talk about? Yeah, let's talk about something that came out uh, 9 October 1995. <laughs> it's Deep Space Nine Season 4, Episode 3, The Visitor. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. <laughs> uh, boy, it is a, it's a rainy night, as uh, I'm sure you can relate to, Adam. <laughs> um, we're like looking out a, a window that's got droplets streaking down it camera pans down to a photo of ben cisco and jake arm arm in arm hand reaches across picks up a baseball it's a it's an old man he's uh he's you know hanging out at his house he injects himself with something maybe he's got the beatus <laughs> yeah i don't know if that box he reached into said liberty medical on it but <laughs> could credibly be from that company yeah uh, <laughs> i would love to see a wilford brimley ad for a uh, slow acting poison <laughs> <laughs> it's bad for you <laughs> uh but he gets a knock on the door oh and we should say uh this old man is a uh is a beloved that guy it's, yeah, you uh, got it's it. Tony Todd. Much love for Tony Todd. Uh, mo- probably most popular uh, in to Star Trek viewers as as the guy who plays Kern, Worf's brother. Yeah, but he he actually pops up in a lot of different roles in Star Trek. Yeah, I think he's in. He's got a Voyager character as well. I loved him in The Rock. Yeah, as as one of the uh, as one of the soldiers that like takes over the the prison and The Rock. I want my fucking. He's the Candyman. I think uh, a lot of people will recognize him for that. Maybe Rob's 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 would recognize him most for that. I'm not super familiar with the Candyman. Yeah, the the Candyman was the horror film uh, based around the idea that if you look into a mirror and say Candyman three times, uh, he would then appear, right? And and Tony Todd is the is the fucked up apparition that would do that. I think at this point we might want to just drop in. One of us asking Rob what the Candyman is about and then have him give his three-sentence summation of that. I think he'd be a lot better at that than we are. Okay. Hey, Rob, what's the Candyman about? Helen's researching urban myths for her graduate thesis. A lead takes her deep into 1992 urban Chicago, where she gets bonked on the head by a mob boss. After that, she murders her friends and blames it on the Candyman, 
a delusion stemming from said bonk and said graduate thesis. Also, maybe Candyman is real, and now she's a candy person? Uh, and also, Rob is the Candyman friends with Beetlejuice. <laughs> they both will appear in Beetlejuice 2. <laughs> it sounds like a very Beetlejuice-adjacent story. It does. In this uh, episode, Tony Todd is playing old Jake Sisko. He's in Loaf, and he lets in a wet young woman from the outside... She's like bonked her head and is lost in the bayou of Louisiana where old Jake Sisko lives. So this is way in the future. You know, you can't help but look at old Jake Sisko and how he's dressed and how he looks without thinking of another older problematic figure. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, uh... Hold on, before you finish that thought, Adam, I'm just seeing an email that just came in from the network, we're cancelled. <laughs> and uh, nobody listens to us anymore. I put the tea into the pot. Keep your eyes on the tea very closely. Ben, no, we we can't do this. This is, this is a beloved episode in... The history of Deep Space Nine. We we can't do Cosby on this one. <laughs> Girls just come into my room. They're strangers. I offer them auditions on my show. <laughs> this is the problem, right? With Tony Todd wearing a Cosby sweater and having the Cosby hairline and basically just doing Cosby drag. Like, you can't unsee that. Especially yeah. uh, with young Melanie entering the scene. Melanie, played by Rachel Robinson, the daughter of Andrew Robinson, who plays Garrick, Ben. Did you know that? No shit. Yeah. Keeping it in the family. Wow. I liked her. Yeah. Yeah, me too. She's no Andrew. No, she is not. That, but but, but then again, no one is. Like, Nobody that's, is. We're not throwing shade at Rachel Robinson. She's also, you know, like, Andrew Robinson had a... 20 or 30 year acting career before he was on this show. So, right. Yeah. Uh, she's, she seems pretty fresh, uh, but she's good. Yeah. She is a big fan of author Jake Sisko. Your books, they're so insightful. Has read all his work. All two of his books? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, do you, have a, do you have any authors like this where you would just love to meet them and, and talk to them? Hmm. No, I guess I don't have an answer to that question, and I don't know whether it's because I am not as well-read as I wish I were, or because I'm just not that kind of fan of creators of things. Yeah. Especially the sort of fan that would, like, walk up to someone's home. Like, famously, there was a, uh, there was, like, a J.D. Salinger story of... Like, a high school kid just walked up to his house and interviewed him, right? Really? This feels like that kind of story, but... Like Judd Apatow tricking all those comedians into talking to him? Yeah, yeah. Feels like yeah. that, but but I'm not the type to, to make that walk in the way that Melanie does. What about you? I don't know. I mean, like, there's definitely authors that I would love to, to talk to, you know? Like, I feel like sometimes you read a novel and it just seems so original and and brilliant that you're like man i would love to just like spend some time in the presence of the brain that birthed this world yeah like what would l ron hubbard order at brunch like (laughs) i just love to pick his brain (laughs) yeah i mean what if earth was the battlefield whoa (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what she's there to do. How do you write women so well? He says like normally this would skeeve me out in <laughs> the way that it very obviously should. But not anymore, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing to lose. <laughs> I'll be dead in less than a day. I'm we can't, free. We can't do it. We can't. <laughs> there's there's no way. <laughs> That's a good part for a record scratch and a, and a disclaimer. <laughs> Adam and Ben continue to do Picasso for another 20 minutes. That's been edited out. 
but we didn't edit it into the show because we feel bad about it. <laughs> and we're sorry. I'm not going to do it anymore, but I think everything that's been in the show up till now should stay. Public apology. <laughs> Written from podcast jail, where we rightly are now. I'll dunk on Cosby without apology. We're just to be clear, we're making fun of Bill Cosby. Yeah, I think that that's like that is really where the rubber meets the road. With that is that it was never a loving no impression of Bill Cosby. It was always meant to make Bill Cosby seem as bad as he is. Right. But some people thought it was just like all in good fun and we like Cosby. Yeah, those people are wrong. don't like Cosby? No. No. Separate the artist from the terrible impression of the artist, okay? We're we're on the right side of history here. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, he's going to be be dead soon, or so he claims. This he's going to be dead soon, I thought was pretty well handled in this episode. It's like something that, he kind of rolls out slowly and he implies like that there is something special about today, but that's not quite related necessarily to his imminent death and how imminent his death is, is also vague initially. Right. Uh, Melanie's there because she is not a writer, but instead wants to be one and thus wants to like sit at the foot of, of one of her literary heroes. She's an aspiring writer. She's an ass pirate. <laughs> right. And old Jake Sisko is like, look, ordinarily I would not share my, my writing secrets with people, but seeing as how this is my last day on earth, uh, I'll make an exception for you. And one of the first questions Melanie asks is like, what's up with your writing output? Like you wrote two classic pieces of literature. Why did you stop? Yeah. It's like, why did Lou Bega not release any more songs? <laughs> After that one great one. And Jake's like, uh, well, uh, once I learned that Lou Bega didn't release another album, I could no longer write. I couldn't go, I couldn't go on any further once I found out that Mambo Number no. 6 wasn't waiting in the wings. <laughs> His reason for stopping writing is to do with the death of his father. I I no longer have a little bit of my father in my life. (laughs) Uh, That also is kind of strange and doesn't line up precisely because uh, he kind of launches into a, uh, it's a long story, but we've got time for it kind of yarn Mm -hmm. where he discusses the death of his father when he was 18 years old. Barely legal. <laughs> is that important information? Yeah, that is the working show? title for the episode. It's <laughs> 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 a very loose and weird show, Adam. <laughs> but I like it. You're lucky the drugs in my luck. <laughs> no, <box>. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, it's a weird episode. I don't like pulling back the curtain on what we're doing today. But uh, because of the change in your flight time, I was like out walking my dog, and you were like, "Hey, uh, <laughs> so our flights changed. Do you think you could record Greatest Gen also?" Yeah. And uh, I hurried home, and here we are. And to think we were just going to spend the afternoon playing jazz horse together. I know. Oh yeah, get the Jazz Horse T-shirt in the uh, Maximum Fun store. Yeah. Easy way to go is uh, go to www.jazz.horse. That is a real website that we spent money on. (laughs) Ben, I've been thinking a lot about uh, Twitch streaming some RDR. Mm. I don't know if that's something that uh, our viewers would be interested in witnessing for some crazy reason. I think I'm going to start messing around with that. Could they give us tokens to take our tops off? I'm cut for time on Twitch, so uh, I guess if you're interested in seeing how that goes, you could follow me there. Okay. Putting it out there. Look, good things happen if you just put yourself out there, Ben. That's what I've been told. Yeah. And I've been humiliated over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Golden Golden Cotton. So... We cut to the contemporary Jake and Ben Sisko that we know and love. Yeah. Not wearing any uh, burlap sacks. 
No, Jake is back in his like European car upholstery costume. Yeah. Um, He's back wearing his Recaro. He's uh, working on a working on a new story, and he's really like he's like he's in like a flow state where he's obsessively working on it, and losing track of time. Ben Cisco is having none of it. He's like, "Hey, man, you're gonna, you know, have you not seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Like, <laughs> it's life, Jake. You can miss it if you don't open your eyes." Ben Cisco's like, "This thing." Only happens every 50 years, Jake. It's a subspace wormhole inversion. It's when a subspace sits on top of a hot tub jet and gets their guts sucked out. (laughs) You can also get it if you're uh, deadlifting quite a bit of weight. Right. (laughs) Trust me, uh, you want to see this before it hits E-bombs world. Um, what, so, ben, what was the video of that guy jumping off a pier mid-shit? Oh, yeah. I, was that on E-Bombs World? Where did you get that? I found that in New York Magazine. Good Lord. You cannot unsee that. I would not recommend that anyone watch that, TBH. Yeah, so so the video you're referencing, Adam, you, I think Know Your Meme is the website that will give you the easiest access to it. Mm. And if you search Poo Flip video on there... I would uh, recommend you not search for that. I would emphatically recommend that you do because <laughs> New York Magazine actually did a write-up of whether or not it was real. And it's what it is is it's a, a reverse video where you see like the surface of a lake and then a nude man comes out of a splash in that lake. And as he rotates up toward the camera, you see about... 18 to 24 inches of poop go back into his butt. <laughs> ben, I'm just I'm just checking our email. Uh, yeah, it appears that we've been let go from Maximum Fun. <laughs> that's that's it. What's strange about this message is that it wasn't the Cosby. It was the wow. It was the very detailed description of this video that you made. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think it's a work of art. I think it's one of the best things that the internet has ever produced. Belongs in the loo. When they take the little D out to the wormhole for a closer look, things are not great because uh, the wormhole inversion starts dropping bangers on the little D. The wormhole's gravimetric field is surging. Such that uh, it knocks out a bunch of people in engineering, and Ben Sisko has to run to engineering to triage the situation. Yeah, it's one of those, like, no time for backup. He tells Jake, like, stay here in the quarters, uh, but Jake does not listen and so it winds up being the two Cisco gentlemen trying to fix the situation. It's a real, like, MacGruber asking for the girl to hand him a tool to fix the problem. Because Ben Cisco's like, hey, Jake, hand me a so-and-so. And Jake is, like, spilling tools everywhere and being a total spaz. <laughs> Jake, I need an interfacing compensator. It's not here. Warning. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like dead bodies or passed out bodies or whatever on the floor. He winds up finding this thing under a dead guy who's just kind of like I don't know if you saw this guy, but he he really looked like he was chilling the most. <laughs> like uh, he he really like went down in a way that looked comfortable and fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, the tool that uh, that they need is kind of like a like a yoke that they stick stick in the top of this device in the middle of uh, of engineering and Cisco uh, gets the warp core cascade failure under control he pulls the thing out of the uh, of the device but then like some warp lightning shoots across the room hits him knocks Jake down and uh, and we watch as Cisco kind of phases out of reality yeah it is not gory. He just sort of blurs away. Yeah. This is the first moment in a series of moments where Sirac Lofton, I think, makes the leap in this episode. He is great here. He's great with the disappearance of his father. And yeah. this is a scene that gets repeated a couple of times in this app. Like, the idea of of him grieving a loss but being unable to grieve fully because this person keeps coming back and then he has to reset his grief odometer all over again. 
They haven't had that many episodes that are Jake episodes. Yeah. And he's capable, isn't he? This is an episode that's a Jake episode that they give half of the performance to a different actor. Yeah. And I think that Tarak Lofton really makes the case for himself in this one. You know, it's like, it kind of feels like a Troy episode in TNG where Marina Sirtis is like, no, I'm actually fucking amazing. Give me some real fucking shit to do. I wonder if they didn't think he could do it. And that's why the whole Tony Todd storyline was created. Uh, like if this was speculative. Yeah. And then once they see this episode, like this entire ep is on Ciroc Lofton's reel. He's doing heavy lifting here and it's great. I hope it means that he gets entire episodes on his own because he's that good. I do too. They have like a funeral for Cisco, and I was a little distracted to, during this funeral because this is the first time I noticed that Kira has a new uniform. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they've changed anybody else in the Bajoran militia's uniform. Nope. <laughs> it's like the, it's like Star Trek Generations where like some people are in DS9 uniforms and some people are in TNG uniforms and it is never explained. It says in some show notes that Kira wears a new uniform for this episode onward, and there was a lot of pushback because they thought they unnecessarily sexed her up in a Baywatch babe kind of way. Wow. I mean, she always had a very form-fitting costume, but this is almost catsuit-level yeah. form-fitting. I get the feeling that Nana Visitor wouldn't have done this if she weren't comfortable with it. Like, she had latitude with respect to her hair. She has had uniform latitude before. Yeah, uh, I wonder if this was a more comfortable situation for her. That that other uniform seemed pretty stiff, you know? Yeah. Costumes are not clothes, so... Boy, that's really the money line. I think a lot of people don't know that. Being in that all day, like having the weird, huge suede patches on your upper body all day might have been pretty uncomfortable. Comfort is a distant fourth thing. Yeah, this is a show where the costumes have a level of detail that I really wish we could see. And it's such a shame yeah. that it's in SD. Like, you know, you only see it occasionally because it only picks up in the resolution occasionally. But the, there's like that diamond pattern stitched into the right. into the suede on those costumes. And I think that's so great looking, but it's beyond subtle in standard def. Kind of a lot going on in this funeral scene. The idea that Major Kira grieves Ben Sisko as not just a higher-ranking co-worker or a friend, but as a religious deity yeah, is like compounding grief that we don't really get any more of outside of this scene. I thought that was interesting. We see Worf stepping off of the dais after giving a eulogy that we don't hear or see. Yeah, like, uh, well, uh, I don't really know Ben Sisko that well. Seemed like a nice guy. <laughs> Good commander. Nice station. <laughs> Jake notably does not eulogize his father here. In a moment that I found fairly understandable. Yeah. They were so close that that's impossible. There's some, like, faith traditions where that's standard. You know, like you, if you have a eulogy, you give it to somebody else to read if you're in their immediate fa in the immediate family of the deceased. But yeah, like I, the, the one we hear is Kira's and we really just hear it because the camera pans away from her very quickly. And I think that is very much the show relying on how strong the Navizator is in her vocal delivery of things. Because the emotional impact is, you know, the needle is just totally pegged. Yeah. You don't give this moment to any other character, though, rightfully. Yeah. Like, I think it's it's Kira and Anavizator who needs to carry this moment, and, they, and she does. It seems like Dax sort of becomes almost a surrogate mother to Jake. Mm -hmm. He winds up, like, kind of hanging around the station. Morn is drinking the green drink of there, there. <laughs> Jake, it's going to be okay, Jake. The green drink of, well, this doesn't change anything about me or my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's interesting to see like all of these characters kind of deal with this differently. Like Nog is going to invite Jake to the Hollow Suites and Quark, uh, when he sees that, you know, Nog's work might interfere with that Hollow Suite hang, uh, you know, gives, gives Nog a break so that they can go do it. 
like really humanizes Quark in a surprising way. I mean, there's nothing quite like grief to reflect other characters. I want to say sense of humanity, but in a sci-fi show that doesn't really play. But for a character yeah. like Quark, like even 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 the term is racist. Federation is no more than a Homo sapiens only club. <laughs> yeah, but like grief, grief is a is sort of a unifying thing. It sort of rallies the rest of the crew around Jake, but not in a way that like babies him. Yeah, they're trying to figure out what to do with him, right? Like, th- like Nog is like excited about the idea that Jake could go to school on Earth, and Nog would be at at the academy and they could be there at the same time together. All this stuff is sort of happening at the same time as diplomatic relations with the Klingons and the Cardassians are kind of falling apart. So it feels like a real transitional state on the station is happening at the same time. And also Jake wakes up in the middle of the night one night and sees Captain Sisko like slumped on the floor. Yeah, uh, his dad appears in his quarters like the Red Baron Pizza Man. (laughs) And he goes like, ghost? Dad? (laughs) Did someone say ghost dad? (laughs) We can't. Like, we don't even have a podcast anymore, Adam. (laughs) We're we're broadcasting to no one. I mean, we'll see if we even release this. You you mentioned the like deteriorating geopolitical situation. Geo geo's not right. Spaceo political situation. Ah, galacto political. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> We're really bad at that. Sounds like a bad Marvel character. <laughs> the issues of galacto political don't adhere to the comics code. <laughs> Uh, it seems like DS9 is, like, not that chill a place to be. And so, like, they keep kind of pitching, like, hey, why don't you, like, evacuate with all the other civilians, Jake? <laughs> and uh, there's, like, a very intense scene between him and Kira up in, like, one of the upper pylons, which is a set that I feel like we used to see quite a bit, but we haven't in a long time. But it's just him and her totally backlit, so... It's very, very dark because all you kind of see is the stars and like the edge of the window and just a penumbra describing their faces as they talk about how sad Jake is and how he doesn't want to leave the station because like it feels like his father. Like it it was a shithole when they got there. This place is a dump. Captain Sisko made it a real place and leaving the station feels like saying goodbye for good. I wonder if they thought ever about Nana Visitor going 10 out of 10 here. Because if we were ever to see Kira just break down, this would probably be that moment. And I'm not sure if I could handle it if I were to see it. No, I mean, I think it's pretty critical that she's strong for Jake in this moment. Right. So I kind of think that's why, but... I yeah, like this would be the moment, and that would have been pretty hard. Yeah, I really love the composition of this scene, though. Yeah, one of the one of the dopest compositions we've seen in the show. Yeah, Jake finds Cisco again, Dad, in a hallway, and they actually like have enough time to get him to Six Bay, and they discover basically that he's been kind of like knocked out of time because he like comes back but like he is not experiencing the passage of time and jake is a year into grieving the death of his father and has to watch him disappear before his eyes again don't leave me don't leave me and this is another like sirak lofton just dealing with an incredibly painful moment and doing an amazing job of putting the pathos of that up on the screen this is the peak of the emotional mountain for me. When his suspicion is confirmed in this scene and there's the regret of 
thinking he saw him but not being sure and then being in a position to maybe do something but having not been able to do that like it's guilt and grief all at the same time and Sirach Lofton like this is where he makes the leap for me is this scene it's yeah awesome it really is there's a profile foreshot in the infirmary scene that I think yeah. we need to call attention to too <laughs> that, that shot is wild I don't really know how they did this yeah, it almost looks like a comp because everybody's in focus. Did they use a telephoto lens and just back the camera way back so that it compressed the depth of field in such a way that everyone was in focus? That's the only way that I could think that they would be able to do this. It is like a Kurosawa level of use of frame. Yeah. Every inch of the frame has a character doing something interesting in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that must be, that must be it, and just lit the hell out of it and closed down as far as they could go. It's really great and really unique for this show. A like a shot that really made me sit up straight. Yeah. So like back to old Jake, uh you know, he's just like unloading this like really crazy yarn to this girl and she's like, Wow. I can't imagine what that must have been like for you. It's tough because that line of dialogue is a hundred times out of a hundred delivered before a makeout scene in a in a rom com, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine what that must have been like for you. Zero times out of a hundred in real life and in a drama. I mean, this is not the first time we've asked it in this episode, but like, does the Tony Todd story need to exist? I like the, I like picturing him looking back on a life like this. Yeah. You know, I I think you'd do it a little differently this day and age because Tony Todd is in Old Man Loaf for most of this episode. And there's like one brief part of the episode where he is not in Old Man Loaf. And I think it just, it clangs for me that they spent all the time making him look older and not cast an actual old man who could, like, really sell the life of regrets. Boy, that's a great call. They thought about casting Ciroc Lofton, and they couldn't make the makeup work. And, and like, I don't want to knock Tony Todd's performance, but, like, if if this was actually a very old man, yeah, I think this works a little bit better. And, like, maybe you old up Ciroc Lofton for the uh, middle age scene, which comes next, where he's, like, chilling out with Commander Nog and his wife in in this house, but in a, in a different time. It just seems like maybe that would have been a, a better way to do this. This is an episode whose attention is on the burlap sacks in the... In the production trailer and wants yeah. to use them all because right. it isn't long before we've olded up the entire main cast and put them on the little D to go back out to the wormhole because what this old Jake has posited <laughs> is that if he can just create circumstances in the wormhole similar to those that took his father away the first time he might be be able to retrieve his father from the subspace dimension that he's disappeared to yeah and that's the explanation of like why he never wrote any more books because he gets a visit in his mid-30s from his father who like meets his Bajoran wife who he's like very happy with and then upon Captain Sisko's departure, Jake throws himself into the study of quantum mechanics and Star Trek science and stops writing and focuses all of his energy on saving his father. So, like, by the time uh, the 50-year mark has rolled around and the space butthole is going to do its space butthole thing one more time, like, they can actually pull the, the, the little D out of mothballs and fly it out there and, like... It feels a little bit like a Star Trek film script because it's all the like old versions of the characters from the show yeah. like going out for one last adventure. There was so much to like about this moment, but the visual is just really 
discouraging. It's really <laughs> rough. To be quite honest about it, that is in a pale. A bucket. A pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my liquid state. I don't use the bucket anymore. Did they just keep Alexander Siddig's old man makeup from a couple episodes ago and just put it right back on him? It looks really different to me. What is the same is his old man voice. He falls right back into that pattern. I haven't worked a two-dimensional control panel in a long time. Dax is a pretty good middle-aged lady, I think. Wouldn't you assume that they take the trill out of her, though, before this age? I don't know. I mean, Curzon was basically like on the deathbed when they got the ankylosaur out of him. I guess so. Hmm. Who knows, man? Yeah. A lot of questions. But yeah, so they try to recreate the experiment, and it goes well enough that Jake goes into the Matrix with Captain Sisko. I brought the Defiant back to the wormhole. We're trying to rescue you. So it is it, like slightly advanced in age Tony Todd talking to contemporary Ben Sisko in a white nothing verse. And this is a really amazing moment to me because it is still a father talking to his son, even though the son is kind of, it is implied that Jake is older than than Ben at this point. Yeah. And the magic trick is for Avery Brooks to evoke a sense of fatherly love playing against an actor who is made to look older than he is. I think that like... Part of how that magic trick works is that Ben has no urgency about yeah. solving the problem. Right. Like he just wants to be Jake's dad. Like that is his primary goal. And Jake needs a dad really badly because he has basically sacrificed his marriage, sacrificed his career, sacrificed everything for this moment. And he's not even in the moment because he's so focused on like solving the puzzle and Ben Cisco is like, Hey, listen, like catch me up. Like, where's the wife? Where, like, what are you writing? What are you doing? That's such a great point. Like, because Ben Cisco's mental acuity is so grounded and strong. If, if he were ever to come close to breaking, it would move the center of the story away from Jake where it rightfully should be. It changes the way the episode feels entirely to have Ben Sisko tortured in this liminal space. And I think that was a great choice that this episode made in sort of peacefully depicting him in this place he doesn't understand, but sort of out of time in a way that did not make him crazy the way a person would go in solitary confinement. Then go, Jake. If not for yourself, then for me. It's been implied that they only have minutes together every time they see each other in this weird scenario where Jake is aging and Ben is not. But Ben actually puts in a VHS copy of Ferris Bueller's Day Off (laughs) and shows Jake the part where he says, you know, if you don't stop and look around every so often, you could miss your life. And and that was just so, so powerful. Jake has been, has thrown himself into the idea of writing this wrong to the exclusion of living a full and rich life of his own. And Ben is against that. And so when Ben slips away one more time, Jake kind of changes course. And when we come back to old Jake... Uh, talking to Melanie, he's like, yeah, twist ending, I actually have been writing. And uh, there's a big old pile of manuscripts over there on the desk, and you can have them if you want them. Melanie flips through them, and they're just like sex rap lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you've you've taken what Sugar Free started and really expanded on it. Uh, There really is only one word that you can rhyme with Gardner. (laughs) Can I ask you why you haven't published these? Maybe the most unbelievable part of this episode is that old Jake and Melanie stayed up all night until the morning light, uh, all without coffee. Just that little cup of tea got him through. You know the beat don't stop till the break of dawn when you're writing (laughs) sex rap lyrics. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. But then he reveals a second twist, which is that uh, the little insulin injection that we saw him giving himself at the beginning was a slow-acting poison. And uh, the what he's come up with is that Ben Sisko is connected to Jake on some kind of uh, subspace bungee cord. And so every time the the tether goes taut, they see each other. And Jake realizes that if it's that taut, he can he can sever the tie and it will send Ben back to the moment of the accident and they'll have a chance to relive it. It's a great epiphany in the story. It's a great moment. It's a great moment. And I think that my favorite part of it is that Avery Brooks mourns it. You know, like he's he wants Jake to just have been Jake. You don't need me. Like, live your life. Don't do don't do this on my account. Yeah, he was never supposed to make his father his life's priority. And and he did. And it's weird that that gives Ben Sisko this second chance. And and it seems like he appreciates that, but it's also hard for him to watch Jake do that and and sad for him to watch his elderly son die you know don't you see we're going to get a second chance the way the scene plays makes it appear as though the greater tragedy the tragedy greater than the death of his son is a wasted life yeah that's something that i can really get with that this is maybe the second most emotionally powerful moment in the episode is like that realization and that tragedy. Old Jake shuffles loose this mortal coil. Cisco kind of comes back to the moment of the accident and ducks out of the way of the wharf lightning, like knocks Jake to the floor. And, uh, and, and I guess Ben Cisco like has all the memories of having gone through that. But, uh, but young Jake is there and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Why'd you knock me over? Yeah, and then they just sort of fall to the floor in a big spoon, little spoon embrace that neither of them appear to have been doing for the first time. And then they uh, head back to their quarters and put in a VHS tape of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and the little D heads back home. Bow, bow. More Did you like this episode, Ben? I did. I think it's a great episode. It's no that video of a guy flipping off of a bridge with shit coming out of his ass. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We're the worst. We're the worst Star Trek podcast. Yeah. Somehow. That's how you do it. We took it from being the most popular biggest Star Trek podcast to being one that nobody should listen to and nobody does listen to in one episode. In a way, it it's going back to our roots. Yeah, subscribe and delete. The plaque on the bridge of our podcast says in Latin, like, totally worthless, nothing to listen to here. <laughs> move along. Yeah. <laughs> Probably move along home. Yeah. Uh, did you like the episode, Adam? I loved it a ton. I think I I loved some scenes in it more than I loved the episode in its entirety. Yeah. I keep coming back to, like, I understand why you ensure the Ciroc Lofton performance with the Tony Todd one. I totally get that. Yeah. I wonder what it felt like to watch this episode after it was done and go, like, holy shit. Like, you you have to do that. You have to pay for that insurance. Right. But, but to know all of a sudden that you have an extra main cast character here to create stories around has got to be a great feeling. Yeah. And it's it's almost like as great as this episode is, it makes me look forward to more great episodes in the future that involve Sirach Lofton. I agreed. Do you want to uh, check and see if we have any Priority One messages, Adam? This is the moment in the show where we do that, Ben. Thank you. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. The interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. 
Adam. Uh, we have a couple of messages here. The first one is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. There are plenty of podcasts about television, but only one about the best part of TV, the commercials. <laughs> Check out After These Messages, hosted by Genevieve Haas and Andrew Walsh, personal friends of ours. Is the bearded Chevy focus group guy driving you nuts? Are you harboring a secret crush on Flo from Progressive? Andrew and Genevieve completely understand, which means After These Messages is the podcast for you. Join them as they break down the good, the bad, and the truly appalling in this overlooked art form. Subscribe to After These Messages on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choosing. You know, a good first episode to try from that podcast is the one that you were a guest on, right? I've been on that show a couple of times, but uh, I, and I don't know if it'll happen or not, but um, we were talking to them about both of us becoming guests, uh, so we, we may have already done that by the time this P1 aired. Yeah, it's cool you've been on that on that show so often, given that they are like, they live down the street from me and I've never been invited. <laughs> you're invited, you're cool invited. Cool job, Andrew and Genevieve. <laughs> We've had dinner and drinks together, right on. Yeah. But, but I've been friends with them for years and years. Clearly. And I just introduced them to you. <laughs> They're great. They're great, and so is their show. Uh, that's a show that I, no joke, listen to every week and love. Um, I don't have uh, any kind of TV with commercials on it, so I don't ever wow. know what they're talking about, but I love uh, listening to them talking about it. God, what do you do on that show? I just... <laughs> I just admitted that I have not listened to the episodes that you're a guest on, which is great. But, but what kind of guest are you on a, on a show like this? Uh, well, one time I found uh, like an old tape from I, I I had a tape digitized that I thought had like some old childhood, you know, movies made in the backyard with my with my friends on the handy cam, but it wound up having like a TV movie or something, and so there were a bunch of you know, daytime television channel oh. 44 TV commercials on it. So we watched like the best of 1993. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but a fun show and uh, highly recommended and uh, go check them out after these messages podcast. Ben, our second priority one message is from Denny from Minneapolis <laughs> or Dennis from Minneapolis. It is for Adam and Ben. Message goes like this, W slash R slash T, the erotic holosuite programs at Quark's Bar. Do you think the vibe is more Zalman King's Red Shoe Diaries or more <laughs> Cinemax After Dark? Asking wow. for a friend. Well, Dennis, uh, thank you for your question. I think we've mentioned this before. I really like P1 questions. Yeah, I think that uh, it's pretty obvious given the fact that David Duchovny is always hanging around outside the Hollow Suites, which one it is. Which is the more hardcore? Is it Chew or is it uh, Cinemax? I think it's Cinemax, isn't it? I never had Cinemax. I know that Red Shoe Diaries is definitely like, they'll show a little bit of pubes, but they won't show anything more than that. I feel like Cinemax shows thrusting though, right? It shows... No, I mean, I think Red Shoe Diaries will th show thrusting, but the angles don't make any sense. <laughs> what you need on set for those things is a, is a geometry consultant. <laughs> you need Ben and Adam to be there on set and be like, no, 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 that doesn't, that's not how it goes. What would we know about that, Ben? I guess that's a good point. <laughs> Just trying to get us some work. Uh, what do you, what do you think? I think I'm gonna vote for Cinemax After Dark. I think my inclination is that that is the more explicit of the two, and thus I would say, I would I would choose that. I would choose whatever is the most explicit would be the Hollow Sweet program possibility. I, I'm I'm guessing that's probably it. I and I can only imagine what Cinemax was like, never having seen it myself. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but that seems likely. Uh, I want to say, send us more questions. <laughs>
If you have a question you'd like to ask us or uh, a message of any other kind, like for a podcast or a project, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200. Whether or not you have been a guest on a podcast in question, they are a great, great way to support the ongoing production of this show. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I think this time it's going to be a prop Shimoda. Wow. I think toward the end of the episode, the Tony Todd makeup was sort of falling apart. And the one thing you can't <laughs> do when you're working with a lot of burlap and like hairpiece stuff is you can't allow your lighting to get out of control. Like you need to control the lighting in such a way that the magic trick isn't isn't given away. And so when Tony Todd turns into profile, he's lit for straight ahead. But when he turns profile, what you see is the headband holding his hairpiece on. Yeah. And it's like, it was the only thing I could see. And in a moment of emotional pain, I don't want to be thinking about anything else besides what their character's going through. And like for a moment to be so like jarring in that way, I couldn't help but call that my Shimoda. What about you? My Shimoda is Melanie. Uh, she comes in initially with an injury on her forehead. And right. that is either self-inflicted or she like slipped and fell while looking around in the woods for this house, presumably. This is way in the future. Just beam over. She should be dirty too, right? If she fell yeah. over or got hit by a tree or like walked into a branch. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so maybe that makes me think it's self-inflicted, which is like a pretty intense way to go for like getting the attention of your favorite author. You're in luck, Melanie. I have all of these painkillers. Oh boy. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I'm not even listening anymore. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? 
absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. The chances are pretty slim, but maybe some somehow, some way we have a a show next time. I mean, whether or not it's broadcast anywhere, the show will continue. So what's coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season four, episode four, Hippocratic Oath. Held prisoner by a group of rebel Jem'Hadar, Bashir and O'Brien clash over Bashir's desire to help their captors escape Dominion rule. Kind of an interesting premise. Hey, that sounds like fun. Yeah, kind of a... uh, Kind of a Hippocratic Oath comes up against Prime Directive, comes up against Chief O'Brien's shit. Yeah, because Chief O'Brien definitely has some post-war shit, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Why don't we see in what way we're going to be reviewing the next episode, Ben? You're required to learn as you play. Roll. We are on square 74. Out in the distance, we have an nth degree. That's the only square we could potentially hit, I think. Uh, you want to uh, give a blow on the on these bones while I roll them? You know I'll always do that for you, Ben. Oh, shit, Adam. I have rolled a four. So uh, this will be the first time we have ever been tasked with doing extensive research. <laughs> Wow. For an episode. Our first uh, academically sound episode of Greatest Gen. Yeah. We we landed on the square of Lieutenant Barkley with laser beams going into his brain. I guess that means we're going to have to read like Memory Alpha and Wikipedia and... Listen to the commentary track if there is oh, one. Oh man, is, th- is that available somewhere? I don't know. I don't know, but evidently we're going to have to do some work. Wow. We can't just step up to the mic and and do Cosby bits. We got to come correct, Adam. If we are going to win these people back, we got to come correct. All right. Well, if you hated us in this episode, uh, the next one might be more your speed. Yeah, it's going to be the best episode of Mission Log ever. And if you (laughs) love the next episode, uh, it's probably the last episode you should ever hear of ours. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Those that actually love what we do on this show are invited to give us a five-star rating or review wherever you get your podcast. It's a big, big help in elevating the look of our show. Yeah. Making it known to people who may not know about it. Believe it or not, there are many Star Trek people who do do not know of the existence of this show, and I think that's a shame. That is a shame. Tell them. You can also support what we do directly by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. It is a big, big help to uh, get your monthly support every month. And um, we are not far away from the Max Fund Drive, I believe, as of this episode, right? Yeah, a couple weeks from now. So um, so get ready to, to really come out in force and, and uh, show your support for The Greatest Generation because starting March 18th, we're going to be doing the Max Fund Drive. And uh, we really need... Uh, the the friends of DeSoto to step up and uh, make this real. 
Yeah, it may not have been clear from what you heard this episode, but Ben and I are professional podcasters. <laughs> and so uh, we really do require your support to keep the show going. Friends of DeSoto that have supported us up until now include people like uh, Adam Ragusea. The great Adam Ragusea. Who makes all the great music on our show. Uh, he took the original music from Dark Materia and turned it into a theme and interstitial package that we know and love. Gotta thank Bill Tilly, our card daddy, at Bill Tilly 1974 on Twitter. Uh, he makes uh, great trading cards of every episode of the show punches the jokes up in a lot of cases and makes things extra super fun jj lendl presages the episodes every week through the creation of a great retro-esque looking uh tv show poster something i look forward to every weekend before a show drops yeah great work by jj lendl solid as sears so do all of that stuff. Check out the other shows on MaximumFun.org. Check out our other shows, Friendly Fire and Greatest Discovery. Uh, if you like this, you'll love those. Oh, yeah. Greatest Discovery now, like mid-season two. So check out that show and also check out ours. Yeah. With that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and another episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which probably just sits around and tells war stories, but those war stories are thoroughly researched. (laughs) You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.